In the shadow of the most powerful city in the world, the Capital Golf Gang is on the air with instructor John Ronis from the Ronis Academy at River Creek, executive director of the Middle Atlantic PGA, John Gould, and former University of Maryland golfer, Ron Thomas. And now your host from Afternoon Drive on the Team 980 Radio in Washington, D.C., Steve Zabin. Day two is minutes away from getting underway here at Whistling Straits. We are live on the Capital Golf Gang, presented by Golfdom. Zabe here in the Media Center in Wisconsin, and it is a glorious but brisk and slightly overcast morning as the Europeans are in a tight spot, down 6-2 to two after day one. We've got all of our panelists today on the show. They're lined up like tea times, 8 a.m., 8.15, 8.30. And our first guest this morning is John Gould, the executive director of the Middle Atlantic PGA. Good morning, Mr. Gould. How are you? Good morning. It's uh, one of the best weekends of the year. Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you. I yeah, wish you were here. Your organization, the PGA of America, is doing a bang-up job with this event. Uh, you've had a lot of practice doing it, your organization, but i got to tell you, they're getting better and better all the time. So kudos to you guys. It's been a first-class event through and through. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, we had an extra year this year, too, to, uh, to prepare, unfortunately, <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, this is our crown jewel. Uh, our, our budget cycle actually runs four years now because the home Ryder Cup is such a big deal. Uh, the way Ryder Cup is 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 great, but not as not as lucrative, obviously, as the home Ryder Cup. And um, you know, it's awesome to see you know forty thousand people on the property and 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 the build out, which is looks spectacular. And I've been there for the PGA Championship to Whistling Straits and. Uh, it's 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 a spectacle. I know it's tough to walk. I don't know if you had to walk it yesterday, but uh, oh, I have some thoughts about the walking. I did walk yeah. fourteen thousand seven hundred and thirty-one steps. Nice. Which and believe it or not, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and there was a lot of sitting, and there was a lot of standing, and there was a lot of waiting. So uh, that's a lot of a lot of walking combined with, you know, obviously staying in in one place where you've got a good vantage point to wait for the groups to come through but uh i was here until the bitter end yesterday john i saw uh i saw thomas put in from three feet out to have their match on 18 as we were running out of daylight quickly and so i'm back here i, I slept as quick as i could and i'm back out here for the start of the matches i'm looking at the first tee right now the american team of kepka and Berger have come to the first tee they'll be playing rom and garcia alternate shot or foursomes as they call it and the crowd is packed yeah and jacked. bananas it is great all right we're going to get into this, some of the uh the nuts and the bolts of uh the matches so far and i'll i'll get your yep. opinion on things i i think the biggest story here 6-2 lead largest lead since 1975 for the yeah, american back side. in the days of arnold palmer right right in fact here's a little fun note for you john i I clipped and pasted and made my own cheat sheet from Wikipedia so mm-hmm. I could have it as easy reference. And it was a grid, an Excel spreadsheet from Wikipedia of all the previous Ryder Cup matches. And I cut it off at 1979. <laughs> the Greenbrier. Well, you know, you know yeah. why that was? That was when the Europeans uh, started getting coming in, right? That's when they expanded 
the roster is beyond just Great Britain and Ireland. So it used to be GB&I. Nicholas, as the visionary and the gentleman that he is, said, look, we need to broaden this out. These are not fair matches. So 79 I consider to be sort of the Super Bowl era of the Ryder Cup. So that's so that's when I cut it off. So the fact that the Americans are up by a lead hasn't been seen since '75 is obviously significant. Europe cannot lose an inch today, or it is in fact over. Well, you know, we would say that, uh, but you know, this is the the record for the lead. You know, after after the first day. But remember, we lost a ten to six lead in singles. You know, how many years ago? Medina, right? Well, so it's, it's not impossible. It's not a, uh, well, right. The reason I say they can't lose an inch today is simply this. 10 to, 10 to 6, or a four-point deficit going into singles, is the largest margin that's ever been recovered. The Europeans right. did it most recently at Medina, and the Americans did it, did it famously at Brookline. This European team does not have the horsepower, I think, to overcome a four-point lead going into Sunday. But I'll give them the statistical, historical outlier as the benchmark of they have to be within that range. That means they right. can't lose an inch today. They've got yep. to actually claw back some ground. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and, you know, and and what what I well, I guess my theme from yesterday was you know out with the old, in with the new. You know, six rookies. Uh, the the people that were left were the younger. You know, if Dustin Johnson's your oldest guy, you know. Uh, the mature head in the room, <laughs> you know, that's an interesting <laughs> right. uh, way to look at it. But, uh, you know, it, it, I, I've talked on our show many times. Like, I, I like, I love this generation of uh, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth and these guys that are fiery and, and they're not looking at their corporate image and worried about, um, you know, how they look to the, to the group. They, they want to win and that's all they want to do. And, um, and this great, you know, this cast of rookies came out and said, yeah, we don't, we don't care how it used to be. We want to we wanna win, and I, I just love the fire and the spark that they all played with. And we are underway. Sergio Garcia has struck the first shot, uh, and he has mimicked his first tee ball from yesterday, a sort of a, a dying hook into the scrub bunkers left of the first fairway alternate shot. So we are underway as Daniel Berger set the tee off for the Americans. Berger played in the morning with Kepka. They were winners. Over this same pairing, uh, so this is a repeat of the day one match that led off uh, the the day's events. Well, well, it was it was a repeat for the Americans, right? Uh, the uh, well, the, it's a repeat group. Uh, the Sergio and 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 Rom played Taylor um, played JT. You're right. And They've, uh, sorry, today. thank you. They played the different uh, combination. Beat them. Beat him. Yes, right. exactly right. Uh, Kepka and Berger were Florida State teammates. I did not know that until I read up on it, and apparently they get along real well. And uh, the and personality types... they asked for this pairing. Like, everybody in yeah. the world knew that, that Sir, this, the Spanish Armada, as Tarico referred to them, yes. was going out first. Uh, so you've got to believe, especially knowing Kepka and his, you know, his ways of you know, trying to challenge uh, himself and, and others, you've got to believe they asked for that pairing, yeah. right? And that uh, they said, hey, we want it. Berger has just striped his... Down the middle, and as the ball rolled to a stop, you could see the little rooster tail of dew, dew. which is so great. It does, just brings back memories as a kid playing early in the morning, doesn't it? I love it. So we are yeah. underway here at the Ryder Cup. So I think, John, the biggest story here is simply American firepower. 
Bryson DeChambeau absolutely <laughs> put this place on tilt yesterday with several monster drives, the most notable being a 417-yard blast that eviscerated Pete Dye's fifth hole called Snake, a double dogleg par 5. It played downwind, and the 417, John, was a raw yardage across everything. Amazing. Right. Yeah, and it had a bit of a pro wrestling feel to it, didn't it? It was, oh, yeah. it was getting the crowd stirred up, you know, lifting the the driver over his head. I don't think that was on five, but it was that on was on thirteen. Right. Thirteen, but getting the crowd pumped up and uh, and then executing. You know, that's the best part. You that's, know, we've yeah. we've had, uh, as we probably have said ad nauseum in past Ryder Cups, we've always had the strongest team. We've always had a deep team. You know, we've always said, hey, on paper, the U.S. But you know, finally. Well, let's just say after day one, uh, we we had guys that acted like they were the, the pow- more, more powerful team. Yeah. Here, here's what it sounded like on the TV coverage of DeChambeau. Take a listen to this, John. This is yep. great. They, they, they actually were wondering, will shot, will shot Tracer actually pick up the flight of the ball because he was so far angled to the right of where you're supposed to go? Here's what right. it sounded like. Hold on, the commercial's playing. I thought I had it queued up. Okay, thank you, Internet Video, and here we go. It actually might be 100-plus yards right of those first three. Oh, I think 100 is, you know, it might be generous. Look from at where, where From he's, where he's looking, from where their ball started. Look at where he's lined up. Well, I don't know if Top Tracer will even work from this angle. <laughs> Likes it. As straight as an arrow. Bryson stepping through it. Oh, wow. Absolutely roasted. That is, I don't even know where it is, but it's perfect wherever it is. That is dead <laughs> middle of the fairway. <laughs> I mean, we would have to pan out so far to see the tee shots of John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler to give us any contact. And Rahm and Scheffler are not short themselves. How about no. that? It was tremendous. Uh, you know, and the, the, the visuals of the, uh, you know, where they did the graphics of where his ball was compared to everybody else. And then also, uh, I heard the the uh, British, uh, or I guess European side uh, uh, radio uh, call, and they're like, oh no, oh my god, no, oh no, you know, like they could not believe where it went, that's not real, I think that's what it was, that's, that can't be real, right? You know? and, and it, the kind of the cool thing from, I think from our US perspective is when the camera, you know, which is obviously not planning on looking in that direction to receive the T-balls, tries to find it yeah. and you see there's no you don't see the ball oh he must be in the rough or the bunker he just didn't catch the fairway and then it figures out oh i'm not looking far enough left and it pans to obviously what turned out to be 70 yards from the green and they see a ball rolling to the stop right in the middle of the fairway i mean it was it was really a yeah. an unintentional gaff in terms of not finding the ball but i think it made it even you know yeah. more descriptive because like there's no way we could figure out where that ball might be yeah to De- to DeShambo's credit and I probably bought into the noise more than anybody. He has been a great teammate, fully participating in this event in every way, not at all upset that he was left out of alternate shot yesterday or today, and has played really, really well, paired well with Scheffler. 
Um, the whole thing with Kepka, there was some buzz here that they may go out first together, Kepka and DeChambeau. That turned out not to be the case. Obviously, that's not going to happen today. But here's another sign of buy-in. Once upon a time at the Ryder Cup, and this is a small thing, John, but I think you'll appreciate it. The players used to request their specific brand of hats that had the team logos on them. Ah, uh, yeah. Yep. I noticed the hat on DeChambeau is a normal hat. Right. He's fully And it makes it in. more likable, doesn't it? Yeah. It makes it more likable to see him in a <laughs> yes. normal hat. I do think that the, the hat he wears is a little bit of a punchable face hat, just whether you know him or not. But he's been great. So DeChambeau, Kepka, Finau, Thomas, DJ, those are big-time bombers on the U.S. side. Europe only has John Rahm. And while the course is not necessarily long for the average tour player, the par fives are getting flipped over like a buffet table by the Americans. The Europeans have only won one par five yesterday. One. Wow, I, I hadn't heard that stat. It's pretty, uh, you know, explanatory. I think, and um, yeah, I think the the 589 yard hole was playing into the wind, you know, where nobody was was getting to it. Obviously, uh, you know, Bryson has an advantage uh, in the four balls in the afternoon. That'd be but, 15. Yeah, yeah the, the wind was prevailing from the south, and so therefore, when you make the final turn after 13 coming back home, there are some meaty, heavy par fours coming in including right. 15, and that's an advantage to the heavy hitters. I was on 17 at the end of the day yesterday, up in the grandstand at 17. Yeah, that had to be a great hole to watch, especially it, if all the matches make it there, right? Yeah. It was, and I'm telling you, John, the 20-mile-an-hour wind coming right at them. They said that the raw yardage on 17 yesterday was 220. The effective yardage was closer to 250-plus, and not a single guy missed the green. They That's hit crazy. lasers into the wind, flighted low onto that green under pressure, which is yeah. just amazing to watch. And, and, and probably opposite of what we saw in the alternate shot, right, uh, in the morning, because we saw some balls really gacked, you know, low, low riders. We had uh, JT put uh, Spieth on the, on, the, on the pilings there with that incredible shot. So, yeah, it played different in the morning, I guess. Yeah. Alternate shot also being different. Obviously, different format, different pressure on your, on your right. player. Do the Europeans chip into this lead by the end of the day? Yes or no? No, because I can't see I can't see them making up uh, much in this morning. Look, looking at who's playing and how they're playing, I, I, I think you know I'm looking at another three, one, two and a half, one and a half morning. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just I, I hope it does just for TV viewing on Sunday, but I, I just don't see it based on how our guys are playing. Yeah. Uh, they've got here in the media center, John, they've got all the future sites of Ryder Cups mm-hmm. with beautiful full-color hanging placards to keep our right. mind on the future. And we in America have allocated more future sites right now than Europe, but we are set through 2029 at least. Italy is next up for Europe in 2023. Beth Page gets it in 2025. Yep. That's going to be bonkers good. Adair Manor in Ireland, which is going to be exquisite in 2027. Then Hazeltine, which was very successful in 2029. Europe hasn't picked 2031 or 20, or excuse me, 30 or 32. We haven't tabbed 31 or 33, but Congressional is tabbed yeah. for 2037. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, it's going to be uh, uh, one I'm involved in. You know, still still uh, being with <laughs> the PGA, but that's a long time from now. Involved in. Let's hope we're all walking upright at that point yeah, that's in true. life. Let's hope that the salamander flu is not wiped out half the population. We Let's do, just take we do it one the, day at a time. Right. We have the 31 PGA at Congressional, too, which is, is going to be really exciting to have a PGA championship there. Good stuff. So all America right. wins the first uh, first hole in the first match. There you go. We're off and running. Uh, John, good to talk to you as always. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, have a great show. All right. There you go. First tee time here on the Capital Golf Gang is off. Coming up next, Ron Thomas will join us as we are live from the Ryder Cup on the Capital Golf Gang presented by Golfdom. This has been the Capital Golf Gang. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who have to come up with creative excuses to their wives for those grass stains on their pants. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who have to come up with creative excuses to their wives for those grass stains on their pants. Back live at the Ryder Cup. Zabe here in the Media Center. Our usual list of panelists joining us one by one, like tea times by phone. A golden sunshine has now washed over the first tee as you look out towards Lake Michigan on this surreal property. And uh, the first match is through number one. The Americans are already up uh, one up, one up through one, I believe. I'm looking at the scoreboard, and uh, it's not being updated right now. I might have gotten bad intel on that. But anyway, Ron Thomas joins us now by phone. Good morning, Ronnie. How are you? I'm well, Stephen. Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> uh, even though I'm indoors right now, I'm vicariously out in those first tee grandstands looking at the scene, and it is nothing short, Ron, of magic. Yeah. Can you hear from inside there? Can you hear the chanting? Cannot the hear the chanting. It's a little bit far away, and this uh, media center is pretty well constructed. Uh, the build-out here, Ron, is is something to just behold. It's uh, an engineering marvel. It's sort of if you throw enough men and enough money at these sort of erector set grandstands and luxury pavilions and everything else, you can do anything on any terrain. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, from tell you know, watching it on television, it looks impressive, obviously. But Steve, you know, I want to ask you a couple questions because I've never been to a Ryder Cup, and most of our listeners probably haven't either. But in particular, with Whistling Straits, how do you get there? Did you have to park and then take a shuttle in? So, basically, the infrastructure here is pretty well suited to a big event because this golf course was built on and around farmland. So there is a lot of flat, open farmland that can be repurposed as parking lots. So yes, there was a short media shuttle I took, but the fans, I'd say access in and out has been very smooth. So there's that. The thing about watching a Ryder Cup in person is that it is a grind. There's no way around that fact. You are going to stand and stand and wait and wait, and you are going to walk and walk and walk, and you are going to crane your neck, and you're going to get up on your tiptoes to try to get a glimpse of certain matches at at certain times. There's no way around it, Ron. There's only four matches on the course, and there are 40,000-plus people 
out and about. So it's a tough watch. Now, there are things that make it a lot better, a lot easier. For example, the Jumbotrons they now install on multiple holes on the course. I'd still like more Jumbotrons, you know me, but that helps. Secondly, Ron, I get as part of the media kit, and I believe fans can buy them as well, small radios, little square plastic radios that are pre-tuned to three different channels with little earbuds. And it carries the Sirius XM play-by-play of the event. It carries the television feed, and it carries the international feed. And so having that was crucial because I'm listening while standing and waiting for groups to other stuff that is happening on the golf course. In addition, on 18 yesterday, it's the end of the day, and of course I'm 100 yards, Ron, behind Justin Thomas in the fairway on 18, just trying to get a glimpse. It was a decent look from behind him, and I was enjoying watching him set up and size up the shot. But what made it really cool was I had the television broadcast in my ear and on television as you know they use the boom they use the shotgun mics now to pick yeah. up the caddy player conversation so Thomas is debating a 7 versus an 8 because of the wind on 18 and I'm hearing it while watching him live in three dimensions in person, from about 100 yards away, and it felt like I was right standing next to him. That's really cool. Right. So that would offer up uh, a worthwhile reason. You know, that would be a good enough reason to be there. Because my next question to you, and for the listeners, I told Steve before we went on, I said, you're the one who's there. I just want to hear your perspective for all of our sakes. But so... what if if it's so hard to watch and it's so hard to to get a good spot and to only see a few golf shots throughout the day? Why go? What is the why what is the draw to be there? Yeah, right. but what is it? There has to be something. Is it is it the you it's, know the feeling of patriotism? Is it just uh, being at a, such a huge event? I mean, what is it, Steve? I think it's the fact it is such a monster event. That's pretty much what it comes down to. It's a monster event. The singing in the stands, the camaraderie, yes, the patriotism to a lesser extent. But to be part of a big event, I think, is what the draw is. And it's only every four years in the United States, so there's not a lot of opportunities to go to it. Plus, it's really an all-star game where, sure, there's not a lot of players, but there's no DA points you're going to watch tee off go, why do I care about DA points? Nice guy, by the way. Great well, yeah. Well, Steve, Steve. Next question: How is the Wisconsin? I mean, do we do we feel like it's a majority Wisconsin crowd, or is it noticeable? We've got some people in from out of town. You know, there has been some discussion about the fan behavior. Have well, there's always a couple idiots. I, yeah. I think the fans have been well behaved. It is overwhelmingly Wisconsin. The other thing that is a big factor, I believe, is that the European presence is extremely minimal. I would say at a typical Ryder Cup, you get about fifteen percent opposing fans 15 percent euros over here 15 percent americans over there those are not hard numbers those are just you know lick my finger put it in the air but i think they're they're reasonable i'd say it's less than five percent european fans here it's very quiet they're the guys that dress up in the uh outfits that sing the songs the uh defenders of the cup or the guardians of the cup and they're 
they're fine, but they're just one small group. Very minimal presence because the travel restrictions on Europeans coming to the States is, right, is right. very severe. So that makes a difference, in my opinion. Last question from me. The bunker issue we had with uh, Dustin Johnson. What are they doing with the bunkers? I know they're all being played as bunkers, but are you able to step in any of them? Or or did you even look? Well, here's the thing. The bunker Dustin Johnson got into and incurred the penalty back in 2010, that's not a problem because there's a hospitality tent that has buried that bunker right now. (laughs) Really? Oh, yeah. No, it's been built on all those bunkers. Now, it doesn't mean there's not, you know, 116 other bunkers that are exposed because there are. There's bunkers all over the place. But, no, the bunkers have not been an issue. I haven't seen many guys in them. The real hazard, and this is something from a spectator standpoint, that if they ever come back to Whistling Straits, and like I told John Gould, they've got these things strung out so far in the future. I don't know when, if ever, they'll come back here. This is a dangerous golf course to spectate on. That's my opinion. Too dangerous, not quite, but really close. Got a text from uh, our guy Dan Hartman at Golfdom, who has a friend who is here, and the picture was of his friend lying on a triage table at the medical center here with his leg in a splint bandaged up, his head, head in his hands in agony. He got a broken leg because a woman sl- slipped mm. and slid down the fescue hillside and wiped him out like a bowling pin. Mm. He was minding his own business. I saw multiple people slip. There are no smooth hillsides here for large crowds to gather on. And because half the holes are on Lake Michigan... You can only spread the crowd out on one half of each hole. So it makes viewing opportunities even more difficult to come by. I love this course. I think it is a masterpiece. I'm a huge Pete Dye fan. It is a tough walk. It's a tougher watch. And I think it's right on the edge of dangerous. But that's just my opinion. Good stuff, Steve. All right. So, Ronnie, do the Euros have a chance? And what... What has been their Achilles heel so far? Where have they fallen down in this hole 6-2? to two? Uh, uh, The iron play hasn't been very very good. I okay. noticed that. I did watch all the matches yesterday morning. I didn't get to catch it, all of it in the afternoon. But How about Poulter going, or not Poulter, how about McElroy going 0-2 yesterday? He's sitting this morning. It's the first session. He has yeah. sat in his Ryder Cup career. I believe he's top five in the world ranking, and he's their number two guy behind Rom. If he can't perform and doesn't perform, they don't have a shot. Yeah. Well, the, them going five down through five yesterday, wasn't that Poulter and McElroy? They got, they got blitzed. They got blitzed yeah. by, the, by the Shoffley-Cantley combination. Freight train. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's the other thing that I think is the big difference this year. Last session, last time in 2018 in France, Europe had Mollywood. The uh, uh, Francesco Molinari and Tommy (laughs) Fleetwood tag team. They were the talk of the Ryder Cup. They were the it team, you know, like J-Lo and and Ben Affleck, right? They they (laughs) were the hot team, the magic team. Cantley, 
and Shoffley are that magic team that I don't think can be stopped, and they're out there again today. So U.S. has it this time. It was Europe that had it last time. Yeah. Last thing I'm going to ask you, I know we got to go. You and I being uniform and logo guys. uh, So far, so good. Yeah, so far, so good. I'm always interested to see Europe break out that rust like they did today, kind of the cream or the tan rust. Yeah. You, I, you do. I do. I think Europe's suite of colors are a light blue with canary. That was yesterday. And yes. then earth tones as their alternate shades. So rust, yep. tan, those kind of earth tones would be good. And USA going with the polo lineup. Polo has got their hooks into the uniforms for the U.S., and they've yeah. had it now for several sessions, and I'm sure they're paying a pretty penny for it. But, yeah, we're a long way I, from the purple vests that <laughs> Corey Pavin's – Corey Pavin, right, right. Remember Corey Pavin's wife said purple vests will be good? <laughs> yeah, oh, they were all – I heard the merchandise 10 is just incredible. So It's the size of a football field. I do not exaggerate. <laughs> is it really? you got to be kidding me. $464.17 later on. And nice. I'm probably not done yet. Steve, right, enjoy, enjoy your day, bud. You're the best. Thank you. There you go. Ron All Thomas, right. everybody. All right. Coming up, we will have John Gould, John Ronis join us as our final tea time here, live from the Ryder Cup, the Capital Golf Gang, presented by Golfdom. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang, four guys who once dreamed of becoming caddies on the PGA Tour until they found out you have to take the blame for everything. You are listening to The Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who only care about one trajectory on their irons, Airborne. Speaking of trajectory, did you see, people, the Jordan Spieth recovery shot on number 17 yesterday? If you did not, run to your social media and you will see it. Welcome back to the Capital Golf Gang presented by Golfdom. I am live here at the Media Center at the 43rd Ryder Cup. And our contributors, our panelists, are joining us one by one like tea times. Now on the tee, John Ronis of the Ronis Academy at River Creek. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, Zay. Great to be here with you. So there is a shot tracer done after the fact on Spieth's recovery at 17. Have you seen it yet? The shot tracer of the ball or him falling down the hill? No, not the shot tracer of him nearly tumbling into Lake Michigan itself. <laughs> which some might well, say, some might say, must- some might say, by the way, about that, they've been like, oh, come on, he was just hamming it up. No, no, it's a very steep embankment. And once you get your momentum going that way, instead of trying to stick your leg in the ground and possibly breaking it or blowing out an Achilles, Probably better to kind of go slowly down the hill. And he just kept going down, 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 down. And yeah. so that was a real reaction by Spieth. Now, the shot tracer of the shot, it's real, and it's spectacular. you got to see well, it. The launch angle has got to be literally like 88 degrees. Right. 88 degrees, and they sh- and it goes up so high. <laughs> when yeah. they shot well, Trace, and I, you know, I'm always skeptical of things I see in the internet nowadays. And I'm like, okay, somebody did a fancy video editing job to make it look like it was higher than it was. But I actually asked with uh, Golf Channel's Gary, formerly of the Golf Channel, Gary Williams, now he's Sirius XM, and Mark Lai 
I said at breakfast today, I go, was that real? And they go, oh, yeah, that was the real height of that shot. Well, if you think of just the math involved, the launch angle, if it is literally like 85 degrees, and the just velocity. to go forward, <laughs> yeah. just to go forward, it's got to go, you know, 200 feet in the air just to advance forward. I don't know about 200, but it was, it was close <clears throat> to 100. It was really high. And the sad thing is, Justin Thomas missed the putt. You got to yeah. pay it off. You got to redeem that with making the putt for a great up and down. Thomas struggled putting yesterday early on, part of why they lost in the morning. Spieth right. got benched. Thomas went out again. But Thomas found it with a big putt on 16 that helped turn their match uh, coming down the stretch in the afternoon. Yeah, he made a couple putts definitely in the afternoon and and. But then again, I mean, they talked him up at the end of the match. So you, you were there, so you didn't probably hear the telecast. Like, he was the greatest clutch putter to ever play the game. And he <laughs> whiffed on the one on 18. I mean, completely whiffed on the one on 18. So Yeah, you know, uh, one, one thing yeah. I noticed. So we were at number seven yesterday, the par three along the water on the lowest shelf of the property on the front nine. And we had a good vantage point where most of the balls were ending up. That was right in line with the pin. And it was funny because almost every guy who had that putt missed it barely on the low side by about a ball or so. And the joke became we would start shouting to players, whatever you think it is, it's one more cup to the right. Right, right. (laughs) And so I I started to think about that, and I said, you know, we don't know if one guy, though, might see it correctly. So if the next guy who's an American sees that putt correctly, we yell at him, hey, give it one more ball to the right because that's what he's been doing, and then he misses high side, we'd feel pretty dumb, wouldn't we? That's right. Exactly. you got to figure someone is going to guess it right, but, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's remarkable out here. What stuck out in your eye, both as a golfer, the competitive Division I golfer back in the day and now an instructor, what stuck struck out to you yesterday amongst the matches? You know, I think in the past, and hopefully you'll agree with me on this, in the past we've always been, why do those Europeans always make the big putts? It seemed like they always make the big putts. And I thought for the first time watching it, the Americans made the big putts. And the Europeans missed a few of them. And that was the biggest thing that, struck me. The other thing that honestly struck me is that we are, I, I didn't really think of it. You, you saw what I wrote to you. I thought we would, it would be even. I thought the Europeans would actually kill us. We're better. We're better. But for the first time, I really think we actually played better and putted better. This golf course is definitely a bit of a putting course and we putted better. So we'll see what happens in the next couple of days. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I saw a stat from the BBC. It was Putts over 15 feet made, and the U.S. led in that category like 14 to 6. So that's a real reversal right there. Longer putts, medium-sized putts. The U.S. was making them yesterday, whereas Europe was not. One thing that I found interesting watching a lot of different groups and different holes, how many of these players, these greatest players in the world, Leave putts short in partnered match play. I was a little bit dumbfounded by that, John. I thought for sure they would run all of them by 
two, three, four feet if need be. There was a lot of lagging yesterday. Yeah, you know what? I honestly, as a as a teacher and you know, former competitor, I feel like that's actually a, a decent sign. And the reason being is you don't want to change the way you oh. approach things just because <laughs> you can take break out of it or whatever because it's not the way you normally read it. Got it. So you're actually reading into a different way when you take that approach. So, you know, a couple being short just like in a normal tournament is actually a fairly decent sign. I don't want to see balls running four feet by all the time. Okay, so that's a good sign. That makes sense. I never really considered that. Um, DeChambeau. I talked about this a bit with with Ghoul. DeChambeau's driving is an absolute marvel of the modern golf world. You can hate the guy for his personality or whatever, but you better respect the fact that he is the longest straight-hitting, complete game, tour-caliber player the world has ever seen. We've had meatheads that can launch it to Jupiter for decades now. Not an issue. This guy, under pressure, John, hits guided missiles that are outrageous. Your thoughts? I'll back you up on 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 this this kind of uh, form of teaching, which was called natural golf. It was Mo Norman, right? Mm-hmm. So you remember Mo Norman, and then there was a little bit of kind of natural golf with uh, stack and tilt. So these are kind of uh, left sided and and anti wrist and sling swings. Well, they were all good, but the fact was you couldn't hit a driver out of your shadow <laughs> with any of those. But these people were all incredibly straight hitters. And on tour, they had a million greens in regulation. They couldn't hit the driver far enough. Well, DeChambeau was able to take that science and apply it to hitting just monsters. And all of a sudden, it's a bit of a perfect storm. Yeah. And uh, And so he's got that Mo Norman set up and the big grips and the arms straight down. But holy smokes, does he turn it back like Nicholas used to and just destroy it. It is awesome to watch. (laughs) It really is. The way he eviscerated number five yesterday was the talk of the golf course. Cutting a corner that nobody would ever think about cutting, 417 yards. Yeah, it was downwind. It was whipping downwind, but (laughs) it doesn't matter. It's 417. It It was 417, and I think it carried close to 400 when it was all said and done. You know, he's going to be in a long drive competition Monday. Monday, yeah. not next Monday. Monday yeah. in Mesquite, Nevada. Yeah, and he's going to get killed. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I'll be curious to watch it because I watch those goofball events, and those freakazoids have a hard time hitting the grid. He will not they have do. a hard time hitting the grid. No, but those guys are happy. they're in a different level entirely. They, they they really are. I think the the Europeans have been caught here with a couple of circumstances that are ultimately going to lead to their getting killed when it's all said and done. The first one is their team is old and their team is kind of short compared to the yes. Americans. So yeah, and I heard you mention that that that's absolute fact. They're a little bit old. They're a little bit short. There's only so much, you know, leading up to the event, you go, ooh, they add Westwood, they add uh, Garcia, they add Poulter. These guys are longtime Ryder Cup stalwarts. They got the fire. They got the experience. That's all fine and well, but when a guy's hitting a 75-yard wedge in to a par 5 and 2, 
All that yeah. guile, all that experience doesn't really vibe. The lack of typical road fans, I think, has hurt the European vibe here. And I think the setup of the course is not the way that they would like it. This is a repeat of, of Hazeltine, where they cut yeah. the primary rough down to fluffy, muni levels, so yeah. it's a bomber's paradise. Smart. And the thing about it is, when you're in a team competition like this as a captain, you need options. And one of the things that happens with the European teams is the team is that the options are eliminated immediately in the 36 holes available for three or four of those guys. So if someone's not hot, if someone's cold, you can't have Poulter go out and play 36. Right. You can't have Westwood maybe go out and play 36. They're just too old yeah. to do it it's and a- to perform at that level. So you have very little options for Harrington in this team. There's a couple tweaks I would make to this event, which will probably be blasphemy to some. But you know me. I'm always looking to make a great thing even more perfect, if I can. Let me run these by you. Yeah. Change number one. You should only sit two guys per session, not four. Why are we sitting four full guys? It puts another match on the course that's better for viewing if you're here in person. And it just gives you more golf. I get you need some flexibility, rest a couple of guys. But to me, this is an excessive sort of feature of the format that is, you know, coming up on 100 years old. I would, you're you're bringing 12 guys. Play 10 the first four sessions, then go to singles. What do you think? I'm good with that. I, I think, again, I think it's based upon the past when you just had guys that just wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't play 36 holes. You know, again, we saw they were smoking pipes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and he played 36 holes. So it's just something that I think in the past, but I, I'm with you. I think it's time to reevaluate everything, and, and there's some things that are insane. But that's a very – and you come up with the insane quite often – that's one of the very simple things that they can do. And, again, another match out on the golf course for the fans yeah. is something that would be great. Yeah, I mean, these guys are all athletes. You know, the other thing about seeing it uh, in person, seeing these players in person, they look fit as hell. And I'm sure. tall and lean. They look like athletes. This is not the PGA Tour that you and I grew up on. You know, there are no big, dumpy, Bruce Bruce Litsky types out there lumbering along. I mean, Shane Lowry is the only big fella out there, basically. It's They're all a bunch of swimmers. Uh, on the Shane Lowry point, did you see his reaction? He took, he took on, a wipeout. Well, he... He, he fell. He, he, he might have fell. I didn't see that. No, I heard, I, I like, heard the word us in the golf course, he slipped on the fescue and took a pretty bad fall. He's okay, but he's a little bit shaken up. He probably did, but he has plenty to pat him. But the the he made like a par putt on one or something like that, and his reaction was one of those where the partner would say, "Hey, bud, look like you've been here before." Oh, did he like oversell oh, it? Screaming! It was a par putt. <laughs> first hole, screaming. par. First hole, hilarious. too. Oh my god! And I think his partner was kind of chuckling a little bit. That that is funny. So that's tweak number one. Tweak number two is this. Don't allow repeat pairings. Blasphemy. Interesting. Right? Interesting. Yeah. How can you do that, Zabe? This is a competition. If you've got a pairing that works good, let them play together again. I say, okay, 
we're doing this, though, for entertainment, right? This yeah. is a TV show, right? Don't you want to make it interesting? Well, yeah. Okay. To me, seeing the same pairings from the USA this morning, while smart tactically, is not enjoyable. And if you say, right. well, that's just a contrived thing. What do you mean you can't use the same pairings? I will counter with, well, first of all, my number one thing I always say in sports is the rules can be anything you want them to be. Sure. The rules sure. can be whatever you want them to be. They don't have to be, there's no notion of the, they have to be this way. So that's number one. Secondly is, if you allow the, if you make it so that you can't change up pairings. My second argument is, in baseball, when a guy leaves the game, he can't come back in. Right. Just as in soccer. I've argued this with soccer people before. I'm like, why don't you allow multiple resubstitutions? And they say, well, that's the rules, and it promotes fitter teams that have stars that can play deeper in, and it promotes strategy of who you're going to put in at what minute to replace your striker who looks like he's out of gas. And that's the argument. My argument on the pairings would be both captains know they can't reuse a pairing, so have multiple pairings in mind. What Stricker faced today was the prospect, if he wanted to switch up the, the morning pairings that went three and one out of the gate, all he was doing was buying himself second-guessing, if it even went two and two. The pundits, right. the media, those of us here, buffet grazing, tapping away at our keyboards, would have written story after, why did Stricker go away from what worked? So this would allow them to force captains to come up with multiple pairings. Yeah, um, you know what? Um, Something, I to could, think uh, about. I could, Something to think yeah, about. Something to think about. I could live with that. The, the other thing I'll say is this, from a tournament operation standpoint and they have no problem selling tickets to this event so they don't probably care but i'll just say this pga of america you cannot spend enough money to build enough jumbotrons and get the bigger ones if they have even bigger ones and please when you put the matches on the jumbotrons put audio with them of the feed from the main broadcast Don't do a special in-house feed. Don't run PSAs during the breaks. Don't turn them off just because somebody's on a nearby tee. Basically make the golf course a living room, Ronis. Because there were people waiting on the 18th hole yesterday in the morning. All morning. And they were watching the television feed, but there was no volume. Oh, wow. Come on. Well, Use you know, some volume. I, got, I got invited by one of our members to play in that pre-tournament with all the former captains, and okay. I couldn't make it because of being here. And then, you know, we probably could have yanked your arm enough that we could have come up there for this. And my wife was asking me, why on earth did you not go up there for that? And I said, this is the best seat in the house. So you have to create the atmosphere of being there with the convenience the of your right. couch there's i i'm a hundred percent every hole jumbotrons in every hole and i don't agreed every yeah. single hole and i don't want to hear about money also no. one last thing they have to wash the entire golf course in free internet wi-fi with tons of yes. bandwidth my yes. verizon phone was as useless as yep. a Hershey's candy bar yesterday because yep. I could not get signal. Absolutely. And that, in this day and age, has to be able to be done also. I'm totally with you on that. 
All right, we're out of time. Johnny, thank you, buddy. Have a great trip back, Zabe. All right, pal. There you go. All right, we'll see you. That'll do it for our coverage here. Special edition Capital Golf Gang live from the Ryder Cup. The matches are off. Thank you for joining us. Full recap next week here on the Capital Golf Gang. This has been the Capital Golf Gang on the Team 980. If you'd like the gang to visit your home course, send your inquiries to Zabe at yahoo.com.